0: thank you Jesus for this amazing opportunity tonight again to be in your presence again just to be a part of what you're doing in the body of Christ and in us particularly uh, here at this church and in us individually collectively And, and father we just thank you for your plans and your purposes we thank you that the plans that you have for us are good that you have have an expected end for us, the things that you have planned and prepared for us that we have not yet seen but will be revealed by your spirit. We just thank you for your plan. We thank you for um, considering us and counting us each faithful. Praise God. Inviting us into your presence. Inviting us into your plan. So, Father, we just thank you for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't he good? Yes. Praise the Lord. I have, um, over the course of time, um, I don't know about you, I like, uh, anybody like uh, 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 like HGTV renovation shows and how-to-its and stuff? The ladies are raising their hands. But come on, guys, if you go to Lowe's or you go to Home Depot, yeah, sure, yeah. right, it's exciting. Because you can see the potential, right, for things. I like to watch those fix-up kind of shows and stuff like that because I like, to, I like to see it, especially when, like, they get a house and, and they're like, oh, it could look like this and it could look like this. And then in, in a matter of a few hours, it's stripped to the studs. <laughs> and you're like, why did they even want this house? Because it's like they're, they're, they just tore the whole thing apart, you know? Of course, it's going to be amazing, right? And, uh, but my husband and I, we always look at that. It's got to get uglier before it gets prettier, (laughs) you know, but it's amazing how many things you can do and really need to do uh, to make something right is to just strip it down to the studs. You know? I mean, because sometimes that old plumbing and the old wiring and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's just like, it's just better off doing it over. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why keep painting something? Just just tear it up and do, do it over, right? We had, um, when we lived in Alabama for many years, And uh, we were about to to move to Florida, which we moved about five years ago to Orlando, where my husband's from. And so we were getting our house ready to sell. And there was just this one part in our house that um, the electric just wasn't real reliable. You know, like you'd plug in a lamp and it would flicker, you know, or it just wasn't like sometimes it would just not work. And so and it happened to be our guest room, which is really fun. When you have guests over, you're like, what the lamp may or may not work you know? And, um, so it was, it was unreliable. And so we're getting our house ready to sell. And, uh, so we are thinking, you know, we need to get an electrician and get this stuff because you don't want to sell it unreliable, you know? And so we get these, I'm thinking all this time, I'm going, you know, what if it's like, you have to redo the whole house? You know what I mean? It's like, is this going to be a really big job? Is this going to have to be a really big thing, you know? And, and uh, is it just a little thing or is it a big thing? How many of you know the unknowns can sometimes be overwhelming? Is this going to be a big deal? And you kind of don't want to address it. And we didn't address it for a long time until we sold the house, you know, right before we sold the house, then we addressed it. But before the fact, it was like, we just kind of lived with it, you know? And I got to thinking about this, you know, the, uh, the electric company never once called and asked how our, every room was doing. <laughs> Are all the rooms working? <coughs> you know, they didn't call us and ask us how we were because you know what? It's not their responsibility. <laughs> it's their responsibility to supply power to the house. But once it gets to my house, it's my responsibility to make sure it works in every room. And so we had just kind of let some things go, you know, and thinking, well, what if it's a big deal? I don't want to, I don't want to get in there and think it's, now I, I find out now it needs to be rewired. You know, sometimes people do that with their bodies. You know, they get an ache or a pain or something, you know, and they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to find out what it is. Right? What if it's something big? What if it's, you know, what if it's this? What if it's that? Well, you know, it already is what it is. You know, it's just that finding out part that makes people a little bit nervous. What if I find out it's bigger than I think, you know, all that. So anyway, we had an electrician come and, and uh, he came and, and, and he fixed something. One thing was like just turned wrong and it's like it affected everything down the line. And so he said it was a really simple fix. I was like, praise the Lord. Simple. But you know... Even though something wasn't working in there, we didn't just shut the door to the room and go, you know, we don't go in there. You know, why don't you go in there? You know, if some stuff doesn't work in there. We just, we, just, <laughs> we just shut the door. We don't go in there anymore, you know? And then uh, over the course of time, you know, people go, well, what's in that room? Oh, we don't even remember. We don't go in there. <laughs> and that's kind of the way we get sometimes with our own bodies or our own life we we if we don't know how something might be or we don't know what the fix might be we think something might be complicated right because if it's yours it's complicated <laughs> right everybody else you can just reach your hand out and pray but when it's you it's like oh pray come on do <laughs> you know you and you you sometimes think you're more complicated than everybody else right? And so that complication thinking sets in and then we start thinking about, well, what if, what if, what if? So we just shut the door and we go, we don't go in that room anymore. We don't address that anymore. We just, we just leave that one alone. We just, you know, and yet you go in some, you see some of these television shows where somebody who is fearless goes in and says, oh man, well, look what we can do with this house. Somebody else has let it run down, somebody else has let it go, but somebody else comes in now and they'll tear it down to the studs and make it gorgeous and make it beautiful. And I think sometimes we just need to address some things in our life where we're willing to just knock a wall down. <laughs> you know, come on, open it up again. Knock the wall, it doesn't have to be the way it's always been. Amen? So with that in mind, here we are in Mark chapter 5. Praise the Lord. Verse 21. And these are going to be familiar things in a way, but I'll tell you what, if you'll open up your heart tonight, we can knock down some walls and make it even better. How about it? Amen. Verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Now, you just even put yourself in this position right here. This, there can't be anything worse than this right here. My daughter lies at the point of death. I don't know another parent who wouldn't think this is, you know, this is the worst thing. But he said, come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she'll live. So Jairus, in the midst of all these people, comes to Jesus. He's at a a time-sensitive issue. This is not a small problem. Amen. This is huge. This is his daughter. She's at the point of death. And he comes to Jesus and says, if you can get your hands on her, she will live, she'll be healed, and she'll live. If you can get your hands on her. If you can get your hands on her. Why his hands? What's so important about his hands? Is this just something Jairus decided? You know, well, you just, if you can just put your hands on her, you know, I, I've decided that's how it's going to work. No? He had heard something about Jesus that made him want Jesus to get his hands on his little girl. Because something happens with Jesus' hands. Something happens. And so Jairus said, if you can just get your hands on her, something will change. Something will change. I think sometimes um, we can get even religious about things like laying on of hands. And by religious, I mean we just kind of go through the motions of things. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, so we lay hands on people. That's what we do. But it's not the physical act of laying hands on people that makes it work. Because everything God does, he does through your heart. Everything God does, he does through your heart. He does through your spirit. In John's gospel, the fourth chapter, you don't need to turn there, but Jesus, when he was talking with the woman at the well, remember she says to him, you know, our fathers worshiped here and your fathers say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Which one's right? What's the right way to do it? And Jesus said the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is looking for true worshipers. He's not just looking for true worship. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for your heart. He's looking for you. He's looking for people. He's not looking for an act. Amen? Amen? Any more than when, uh, when we give, remember uh, Paul said, uh, when you give of your substance, when you give of your money, he said, it's not that I desire something, not that I desire it. I desire fruit to abound to your account, amen? God said uh, he loves a cheerful giver, so there's an attitude about it, a heart about it that he's looking for. He's not looking for the money, he's looking for your heart. Amen? You could throw a bunch of money in a bucket and it not mean anything to you. And in that case, not mean anything to God. He's always looking for your heart hookup. Amen? It's not the physical act of putting money in a bucket that makes it an offering. It's your heart attached to your giving. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Amen? Your worship is not just your music, not just your voice, not just your songs, it's your heart attached. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So that's why everyone can be a worshiper, whether you can sing or not, because he's looking at the heart. So the same thing is true when it comes to the laying on of hands. It's not just the physical act of touch, it's something more. So when Jairus came to Jesus and said, If you can get your hands on her, we, we have, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, a millionth generations down from that. And we're just now like going, well, just the hands will do it. We can get religious about it. But if you'll open up your heart back to why the hands are so important. Why do we do it? Why do we do it? So hold your place here in Mark chapter 5 if you would. And go with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. They came to hear and they, excuse me, and they came to be healed. They came to hear and they came to be healed. What does that tell you right there? They came to leave differently. (laughs) They came to be healed. They didn't come to see what might happen. They came to be healed. We're going to leave differently than we came. Amen. There was something on purpose that they did. They came to hear and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. Sought to touch him. Because power went out from him and healed them all. Power went out. From him. Why did I just want Jesus to get his hands on his little girl? Because power would be transmitted. Power would be transferred. It's not symbolic, the laying on of hands. There is a transfer of God's power that happens when somebody believes. Anything can be religious. We we don't lay hands on people symbolic of Jesus doing it. We do it because in John's gospel, Jesus said, the works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these because I go to my Father. He said, whatever you ask for, whatever you call for, whatever you demand in my name, I will do it. We don't do it in remembrance of him, right? We're not having memorial services. What we do, we do because Jesus is alive and still doing everything he's always done. Amen? Pastor Jenny said, in his presence, everything you need is there. Why? Because he's here. Amen? We're not coming in remembrance of him. We're not coming symbolic. We're not, you know, I think sometimes we, we, we lay hands on people and people think it's a symbol. It represents something. No, it is Jesus doing the healing. There's a transfer of power. How do we know that? Luke's gospel, the fourth chapter, Jesus found the place where it was written when he was in the synagogue in Isaiah He found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Amen. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Jesus himself announced that God was on him. He didn't didn't get up and say, I'm God. He said, God is on me. He's on me because he has done something. He has anointed me. Well, what's anointing? We, again, we, we need to sometimes kick down the wall instead of just painting over it. <laughs> Amen. And sometimes we just keep painting stuff and, on it and we, we, you know, or, well, we'll, just, we'll just throw some anointing at it. <laughs> well, what's the anointing? What is it? When Jesus said the Spirit of God is on me because he has anointed me, that word anoint really means to paint, to rub on, or to smear. So anoint sounds better, doesn't it? It's a nicer word than smear. Jesus just could have said, I am smeared with God. (laughs) But I like that picture. I like that picture. I like that image. Because literally, that's what happened. God put himself on Jesus. In the Old Testament, when they anointed the priests, they didn't just put a little dab of oil on them. I mean, they poured it on them. They were saturated with it. And that's what Jesus said, God is on me because he anointed me. He has put himself on me. And so when Jesus announced that God put himself on me, God smeared himself on me, then if people knew that it's the anointing, Isaiah says it's the anointing that destroys the yoke, right? It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. It's not the hands that do it. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. So if it's the anointing that destroys the yoke, and and Jesus said, it's on me, that's why people then wanted to make contact with him. Not because he's a celebrity, not because he's Jesus, but because he said that God was on him. There's something to get from me, in other words. There's something that's on me that will destroy yokes. And they knew that if God was on him, then what they wanted to do was make contact with him to get what was on him. So they sought to touch him because power went out from him. Amen. Now, it had to be something tangible at some point for, the, for the Luke to record it that way, that power went out from him. In other words, people testified, something went in me. Something happened. There was a transfer. Something went in. Power went out of him and into people. Amen. Not symbolic. (laughs) Real power. Because real power is what we need to change our situations. I don't need somebody just, you know, God bless you. I need power. And you do too. But we need it to flow, not intermittently like that lamp in my room. We need the confidence for it to flow freely to us. Amen? So Jesus said the Spirit of God is on. People wanted to make contact with him because God was on him. That is so real. Amen? So Jairus comes to him and says, if you can just get your hands on my little girl, things will change. If I can get what's on you onto her, things will change, and she will live. That's boldness. Amen? We're invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. To obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need. Boldly. Boldly, boldly, boldly. Amen? Confidently. Not, well, Lord, you know, whenever you're ready, if you want to do something, you know. No, Jairus said, get your hands on her and she'll change. That's the attitude we need to have. Amen? If we can just get hands laid on us, things will change. Praise God. I am... just last week, uh, last weekend I was at my high school reunion. This has been my memories tour. I went to my 40th high school reunion in Indiana last weekend. And uh, so it was, a, it was great fun. And then I was ministering at a church uh, just a couple hours uh, south of there. And and uh, so Sunday morning, I was there Sunday morning and Sunday night, Sunday morning I met uh, a young woman in the uh, foyer of the church after the service and she barely would even look me in the eye she's not saved her aunt dragged her to church and uh, she's a military vet and um, so she's, she's, uh, she was tough looking and, um, and, and again unsaved she wouldn't. She barely looked me in the eye, and she started basically telling me her life. So she goes, my aunt dragged me to church because I never even read the Bible. I mean, she's just looking at me like this. I've never even read the Bible. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> and um, I said, well, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> and she's like, well, you know, I've had, I've had four back surgeries, and she's starting to... All of a sudden, she's like spilling her life story. And then she said, and... Um, she goes, I don't, I don't know about God. She said, uh, my dad was murdered. And the, the woman who murdered him is up for parole. And she's now, she's just broken because of this. Like, I don't know, what if she gets out? And I, she's like, nobody cares. And I mean, she's just, she's just like, I don't know if God cares about me. I don't know, and, you know, all this stuff. She's just mad at all kinds of things. She's been hurt. And um, so I said to her, she told me her name was Jamie. And I said, Jamie, I said, "Um, are you coming back tonight? She goes, well, yeah, I'm with my aunt, so she'll make me come back. (laughs) I said, good, I'm glad you're coming back. I said, let me ask you something. Can you come back with an open heart? Just come with an open heart. She goes, well, I, I don't know. I said, I think you can. And I said, instead of coming thinking, "I don't know if God cares, I don't know, and you're already mad that you're here and your aunt dragged you here and everything," I said, "If you can just come open," I said, "I think God wants to do some things for you." She's like, "Why would he do anything for me?" I said, "Well, because he loves you." <laughs> and so she just keeps like, you know. <laughs> and so she came that night to the service. I was really glad she was there, And so we were ministering by the laying on of hands with people. And um, so she came up in the line, and when it got to her, she looked at me, and she then, then she ducked behind somebody else like, I, I don't know if I really want, I'm here, but I'm not here, you know? And I said, Jamie, come up. She goes, how do you know my name? <laughs> and I said, well, you told me your name this morning, and so a part of it's PTSD and some other stuff going on, you know, and so she's just not quite all there, you know? And um, so I said, you told me you had some back issues and stuff. I said, what's, what's, been, what's your biggest deal now? She goes, well, my shoulder, I've got a torn tendon and they want to do surgery. And I said, well, is it, is it just pain or is it a mobility thing? And it was this shoulder, but she said, I can only move it about, about this far. That's about as far as I can go. She said, I can't lift it any farther than that. And I said, all right. So I said, Jesus wants to heal you tonight. And so I took her hands. And she's looking at me like this. And uh, I took her hands and I, sa- I said to her, I said, this is as weird as it's going to get. This is it right here. It doesn't have to get any weirder than this right here. I said, that's not bad, right? This is okay. And she goes, I'm just waiting for lightning to hit me. I mean, she said, <laughs> she's saying this in front of everybody, you know, but she goes, I'm just waiting for lightning. I said, no lightning's coming. This is it. This is it right here. This is, this is God. God's touching you right now. And, um. So I ministered to her by the laying on of hands. I said, now now move your, move your arm around. So she starts to move it, and, and that pain hit her, and she's like, Man. So she starts spilling again. My dad was murdered, and, and, she, and all this hurt and all this stuff. And I said, remember I asked you to come with an open heart? So we're just talking just for a little bit, a little bit, and I'm just telling her how much Jesus loves her. How many of you know he does? I just said, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Loves you, and wants to help you. And she's like, "Why would he want to help me?" I said, "Because he loves you." And um, so we're just we're just just having a little conversation, just for a few minutes, and then finally, then I said to her, "I said, now move your arm again." And she went, <laughs> and she looked at me, and she's like, "What? What did you? What did you do?" Like she's moving it around, <laughs> and, and then she looks at me like this, and she goes like you win. (laughs) And I said, nope, nope. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. That was Jesus touching you. We can't do that ourselves. That's Jesus himself. That's not symbolic. (laughs) Amen. That's not, that's Jesus touching a heart of a person. Amen. Praise God. And she can, she went back to her seat just like doing this thing, like, you know, like, Oh my goodness, like, what did you do to me? I said, Jesus did it. Praise God. But it was the contact of our hands. Jesus' power Amen. did something. Jesus is still doing it. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Another man came to that same service the morning service, his friend, uh, a coworker, brought him to church. he'd never been there before, and uh, I believe he was a christian, but he uh, he came nevertheless he had never been in this church and He came and, and said that he was diagnosed with prostate cancer and um, I said, "Well, how long have you had the diagnosis and I think it was only like about a month and uh, but he was stage four already, and so uh, we had I, I told him a testimony of a man that came to one of our services in Iowa who God healed a stage four, same thing, stage four, prostate cancer. His doctor at the Mayo Clinic said, Welcome to, the, uh, to an elite club. You're the only member of it. <laughs> he says, You've got no, no cancer. Praise God. And so I was telling him about that testimony. and, and uh, So we, again, just held his hands. And the contact of our hands transmitted God's healing power only God can do that amen and uh, so we ministered to him I said that's the same power went into you that went into that other man I was telling you about and so just the other day I got a testimony the pastor texted me and uh, the man who brought him to church had told the pastor that his friend uh, on June the 10th had gotten his diagnosis of and I don't know if you know numbers about things I have to look at that stuff up I don't know all this medical stuff but his, his cancer markers were uh, 182.99 for prostate cancer. The normal range is 0.1 to 4. <laughs> 4 being normal. He's 182, almost 183 on June the 10th. And we ministered to him on July the 28th. And on July 31st, he went back to the doctor and he's at 2.95. Glory to God. That's God. I said, that's God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. So Jairus found out that Jesus was anointed and came to him and said, if you can get your hands on my little girl, she'll be healed and she'll live. All I need you to do is get your hands on her. Something will happen if you can get your hands on her. Something's going to come out of you and it's going to change things. People in Luke chapter 6 came to hear and to be healed. They expected something to change. Amen. They didn't just come to have the hand part. They came to be changed. Amen. Too many times I think people come to have hands laid on them. They don't come to be healed. You see the difference? We need to know that the reason we have hands laid on us is because things are about to change. Glory to God. Glory to God. We've we've ministered to people now over the course of some time, and and um, we'll 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 talk to folks, you know, and, and lay our hands on them, and. And uh, I always, I always, uh, if possible, get them to do something they couldn't do before, you know, whether it's a mobility issue or a pain thing or something, stomp your foot, move your arm, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever it is, do something now you couldn't do before because you've expected to be healed. Amen. And so many times people are like, well, I'll see if, well, they didn't come to be healed. They came to have hands laid on to see if anything changes. Come to be healed. Amen? Why? Because power transfer. Why does it work? Amen? Don't just paint over your problem. Kick down the wall. Go back to where things, you know, are built strong on a strong foundation. Praise God. So uh, go back with me to Mark chapter 5. I had you hold your place there. Go back with me to Mark chapter 5. Praise God. Just... Stirring up your hearts tonight to remember how good God is. Amen. So on their way to Jairus' house, verse 24 of Mark chapter 5, So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. Remember, this is a time-sensitive issue. She's at the point of death. Right? But Jesus isn't hurrying. He never got rushed, never got pressured. Right? Because the issue is, if you can get there and get your hands on her, that's the destination. Not how fast you can get there. Just get there. It's kind of like GPS. I use GPS all the time because I'm in different cities all the time, you know, And um, so to get anywhere, I'm so thankful for GPS. But when you use GPS, you can plan your trip because it'll tell you ahead of time how long something's going to take, right? So for example, on Monday, I need to drive back to Chicago. I flew into Chicago, so I'm going to fly out of Chicago on Monday. And uh, so my GPS will tell me about how long it takes. Then of course, you know, you always build a little cushion and and all that because it might say an hour and 45 minutes or two hours to get to where I need to go, but how many of you know it's not always exactly the same amount of time, right? I picked up my mom uh, on Tuesday in Milwaukee and I was up in Green Bay, so I came down to Milwaukee to pick her up. Well, about the time I got to Milwaukee was rush hour, so, and her plane got in early. So she called and said, well, I'm on my way to baggage claim. I'm like, I'm not close. <laughs> you know, if you'd have come in when I thought you were coming in, I might. Have but now I'm a little ways out and the traffic is backed up. I'm looking on my GPS. It's like red line. You know, everybody stopped. And so I'm thinking alternate way to get there. And, you know, what you do when there's traffic or something else and things are taking longer than expected. Well, Just because something takes longer than expected to arrive at your destination doesn't mean that they moved the airport. Right? Just because it's taken now two and a half hours instead of two hours doesn't mean you turn around and quit because, ah, I'm not there. I didn't make it. I guess they moved the airport. No, the destination has not changed. Amen? The time it took to get there has changed because there are other things going on. Could be weather, could be traffic, could be construction, could be any number of things that delay your progress in getting to where you need to go, but the destination remains the same. And we've got to get in our hearts what God said in his word is our destination, What he said belongs to us is like setting your GPS destination. That's where I'm going. That's what Jairus did. If you can get your hands on her, she'll be healed and she'll live. That's my destination. I want you, your hands, my daughter, contact. That's when things will change. Well, something came up in the middle of that. Kind of like when Jesus got into a boat with his disciples, remember? said, we're going to the other side of the lake. And the storm came up in the middle of the lake, right? And the disciples, Jesus was asleep cuz he's going to the other side. Right? Why stay awake? We just might as well sleep this trip away. We're going to the other side. And so all of a sudden the storm comes up and the disciples wake him up. Jesus, we're dying. We didn't we knew you didn't want to miss it. We're dying. He says, "Master, we perish." We're dying. Now, these are guys who are experienced fishermen, experienced on the water, and they're scared. So, this isn't any little storm. This is something that scared the fishermen. And so Jesus said, What? Didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? Right? He said, Where's your faith? We sang about it. He calms the storm. Praise God. He spoke to it. Why? Because he had an intended destination. He didn't say, let's get and see how far we get. People go, well, yeah, but this diagnosis came. Yeah, but th- so this must have changed what God meant. No, it didn't. It has changed nothing. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, right? Because the things that we see are temporary. If you can see it, it's temporary. That's what the Bible says. Now, the world will say, if you can see it, that's it. That's your new normal, right? We hear that all the time, my new normal, because that's what I see. No, have we set our destination? So Jairus set his destination. If you can get your hands on her, She'll be healed and she'll live. So now somebody else gets in the middle of this. Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched Touched his garment. Why? Now we know why. She said, here's why she touched him. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She must have heard. Because it says she heard about Jesus, right? She must have heard that he's anointed. If he's anointed, all I need to do is touch what's in contact with him. And I'll get what's on him. She came to get something. Amen? If only I may touch his clothes, she said, I will be well. I like this. Verse 29. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. She was aware that she got something. He was aware that something left. Right? And he was aware that power went out of him and said, Who touched my clothes? Well, again, it's not just the physical act that causes the power to flow. Because his disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. So it's not just the touch, the physical touch. She touched him. Was something she believed first. Remember, God's always looking at your heart. He does everything through you. What do you believe about it? It's important to God. He that comes to God, Hebrews says, must believe something. That's what God said. He that comes to God must believe that he is and, and that he is a rewarder. Come to receive when you come. So she said, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. The disciples are going, Lord, we don't understand why you're asking who touched you because everybody's touching you. And Jesus basically said, no, not like that. Somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me with intent. Somebody touched me with faith. Because faith receives from God. What you believe helps you receive from God. And so the very fact that Jesus said, who touched my clothes, tells you he didn't know who touched him, right? So if he didn't know who touched him, he didn't know who got healed. Is that correct? Right? If he didn't know who touched him, he didn't know who got healed. He just knew the power went out of him. Somebody received the power. Somebody took the power and he knew it, but he didn't know who it was woman came and told him what she did. Now think about this. If he didn't know who touched him and he didn't know who got healed, then it also wasn't his decision who got healed. Can you see it? It wasn't his decision who got healed. So if it wasn't his decision, whose decision was it? She decided. Think about this. She decided to be healed. That's what the people did in Luke chapter 6. They came to hear him and to be healed. They decided to come and be healed. They didn't just decide to come and hear only. They didn't just come to church. They decided to be healed. She decided to be To be healed. When I touch his clothes, I'll be well. That was her decision. Right? But the reason she could make that decision is because she heard of Jesus. She knew what was on him. Praise God. We don't make arbitrary things like, well, I'm going to touch this pew, and when I do, I'll be whole. No, you don't have a word for that. You do have a word for touching Jesus. You do have a word for someone laying hands on you because Jesus said these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You can have confidence because Jesus already said that. Jesus said we're going to the other side. They went to the other side. Jesus said they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can count on it, amen? That's our destination. That's our GPS point, Amen. (laughs) So now this woman came and she received her healing, and Jesus was not indignant about it. He wasn't upset about it. He loved it. Who touched my clothes? Who just got healed? Yay for you! (laughs) And so she told him everything. Now remember, Jairus is still time sensitive here, waiting. And Jesus is taking time with this woman who just went ahead and grabbed her healing. And Jesus stopped and and heard her whole story. And how many of you know women can tell all the truth? We can tell long stories. So she probably told him the whole story. And Jairus is probably going, please, can we go? And while they're having this conversation, people came from Jairus' house, didn't they? And they said, I'm so sorry. It's too late. It's over. She's already gone. It didn't, it didn't, I'm sorry, it didn't work out. Jesus didn't get there in time. And Jesus looks at Jairus and says, don't be afraid, only believe. Well, what are you going to believe now? She's dead. What he meant was, believe what you said at the beginning. If I can just get my hands on her, She'll be healed and she'll live. I'm not there yet. We haven't made contact yet. It's still there. It's still available. Praise God. You might be in a position where you've thought, it's it's too late for me. Things have gone too far. I just have neglected it for too long. Or this is the way, it just has always been this way. And it's like shutting the door on the room that the electricity doesn't work in. We don't go in there anymore. But you can make a decision today. Amen. You can make a new decision today that Jesus is who he said he is. His word is still true. Praise God. Amen. The man with stage four cancer got healed last week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Expect to hear even greater things coming in the, in the, in the future. But, I mean, that is dramatic. Amen? Dramatic. Praise God. A woman we ministered to up in, um, in New England had complications from diabetes. And um, she had already had a portion of her leg amputated. She was in a wheelchair. Her husband wheeled her up to the front. They were guests of somebody else in the church. They weren't members of that church. And, and um, so she didn't know the things that you and I already know. And um, so she came, and what she came for was uh, the complications from diabetes. Her eyes, basically, she's, she said, I'm like 95, 97% blind. I, she said, I can't even see your face. And she's in the chair, so I knelt down in front of her. She said, I can't even see your face in front of me right now. And she said, and I haven't seen color in four years. And then she said this, but I believe that god has told me i'm supposed to carry some of this for his glory. Well, that's wrong information. That's not bible. That's some messed up thinking. Amen. That's religious thinking, to be honest. That's that that's, that wall's got to be kicked down. Come on. You can't paint over that wall. You can't you can't make that any prettier. That has to be kicked down. That has to be demolished. That has to be taken down to the studs. And so I said, ma'am, can I be straight with you? And she said, yes, please. And I knelt down in front of her so we could be face to face, and I held her hands in mine. And I said, I don't doubt that you believe what you just said. Because she did. She believed it. Somehow she believed that God wanted her to carry this for his glory. And I said, but the Bible says that Jesus himself took all of our infirmities, all of our sicknesses. If he took all of them, if he carried all of them, he doesn't want you to carry any of them. And just while we're talking and while I'm holding her hands and the power of God's being made available to her, all of a sudden her eyes got real big and she looked at me. She said, oh my God. I said, what? She said, I can see your face. See, when you open your heart to God, no matter how long something's been, because he works through your heart, if you'll open your heart to him, praise God, he can do anything. That woman, 12 years, issue of blood, Jairus's daughter had already died. If you can see it, it's temporary. And that woman looked at me. She said, all of a sudden, I could see her face. And she looked past me at the pastor's wife. She said, your your blouse is green. (laughs) She hadn't seen color in four years. God opened her eyes that night. She sees clearly. That's been almost three years. She still sees clearly. And all her religious friends tell her that's not possible. They still say, no, that, that didn't happen. She's like, I can see. They're going, well, God, you know, God doesn't do that. She's like, well, he did. <laughs> he did. Another man we ministered to in another uh, state in the South had had an accident on a tractor, and his, uh, he had broken some bones in his neck. And it was in tremendous pain. They tried to fix him. I mean, he didn't get paralyzed or anything like that, but he had some... Uh, I don't know if they had put metal things in there or not. But anyway, they tried to repair it. And uh, he was just in so much pain. He couldn't move his neck around at all. He was in tremendous pain. And again, he was just invited to come to a service by somebody else. And so he came. And uh, we ministered to him, just took him by the hands like this. Ministered to him. And all of a sudden, he starts moving his neck. He goes, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. (laughs) And he's got no pain. And uh, he was just so happy. The pastor told us later that he would—he had a store or something—and everybody who came into his store, he told everybody how God healed him. God healed me. God healed me. God healed—I mean, he just—he told everybody that God healed him. So we went back about two years later. He came back to the service again. He said, I just had to come. Pastor told me you were coming. and And I just had to come and tell you how excited I am about this. God healed me. It's been amazing. He said, but you know what? He said, I had an MRI done since then. He goes, and you know what? Those bones are still broken. They're still broken. He goes, but I can do all this. I got no pain. And some people would say, well, then God didn't do it. Well, he's moving. He's got no pain. Well, what about those bones? Well, without an MRI, you'd never know the difference. <laughs> is that true? I mean, until recently, you wouldn't have known. I mean, until x-rays and all that kind of stuff, you, you would have just said, well, God healed me. But then you look at it and you go, well, that can't be. But it sure is. And those people were looking at that lady going, well, God didn't do that. And she's like, well, yeah, he did. <laughs> he's in the miracle business. Still doing it today, amen? Still doing it today, praise God. Come on, he's still doing it today. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen? Glory to God. Come on, let's lift up our hands and just thank him for it right now. Just thank him for it right now, praise God. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. We give you glory. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're the same as you've always been. You're the same as you've always been. Praise God. You're still doing it today. Hallelujah. No matter what we've had, no matter how many times we've made similar connections, but today, Lord, we come believing you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today.